listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring podcast. My name is Jeff White. Uh, joining me today is Carmen Perry, and we have with us Mike Powers from Hill & Marks, a distributor based out of Amsterdam, New York. Thanks very much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm glad uh, to be on this podcast with you guys today. It's uh, I'm looking forward to sharing kind of our uh, journey over the last uh, couple of years uh, of uh, getting online. Mike, yeah, welcome to the Cooler Ring. It's uh, it's really good to be chatting with you. Um, let's start there, I guess. Tell us a bit about your role at, at Hill and Marks, uh, your, your time there, and the and the path that you've been on to date. Uh, Absolutely. I'd love to. So we are a 112-year-old uh, wholesale distributor based in upstate New York. Um, uh, we're about 20 miles west of Albany, and we service six hours west to Buffalo, New York. Uh, we service uh, northward to Plattsburgh, to the Canadian border, and then south to just north of New York City, uh, Westchester County. And we have been successful in selling food service disposables, uh, Jansan products, industrial packaging, and, and again for 112 years. And uh, it's uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be the e-commerce manager here at Hill and Marks to really bring this distributor uh, online. And so I'm uh, I'm really excited to to share our journey with you. Um, I started with Hill and Marks back in March of 2015, and I recall quite vividly that at that time frame, um, everybody was talking about uh, Google and mobile getting. That it was imperative that you have to have a website that is going to be responsive, uh, responsive designs, right? And so, when I was going through the inter- interview process here at Hill and Marks, um, it was uh, quite evident that the existing platform was not going to be successful after that update. And so, when I was hired uh, by the team here uh, here at Hill and Marks, I went through kind of a three-step uh, criteria of selecting our vendor. And I'd be more than happy to kind of share that journey with you uh, on this podcast. We're going to be at a, a loss for time, I can tell, within two minutes of starting. Um, um, because uh, I know that, um, I mean, you're, you're deploying, we're not talking about e-commerce 101 here. Um, you've been working on uh, punch-out integrations and uh, um, I guess uh, what many would consider to be a, a bit more advanced. Um uh, and uh, and I think you have a lot to offer uh, our, our listeners on, on that front, and then obviously on your just how you got there in the selection process as well. So I I, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting call. Um, I want to just uh, touch base on this 112 year old bit. Um, it 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 occurs to me that uh, transforming the digital side of a 112-year-old business uh, could be quite challenging uh, from a number of fronts. And the one that I, I always find with, with distributors that I'm curious to know more about is, um, the, 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 I guess, any, any friction that they may experience internally around um, the sales relationships and, and, and migrating those, re- what, what is viewed sometimes as migrating relationships from a um, a traditional uh, offline handshake experience to something uh, more digital. 
Um, but but that or, or any other barriers that you feel you've encountered, because 112 years is a long time, and you don't uh, you're not in business that long without developing some solid relationships along the way. It has a lot of inertia of yeah. its own. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I uh, you guys nailed it. Um, there was absolute when I first started and and, and began this journey, there was uh, resistance, right? Um, you know, many of our sales reps that have been here 30, 40 years have well established relationships with their with their vendors, right? Um, however, there, there's been a transition happening in the marketplace. And, you know, uh, Andy Hoare at Forrester a couple of years back, uh, I would say right around the end of 2015, put out an article said the death of the B2B salesperson. And basically it said that, you know, order takers, uh, sales folks that were order takers are no longer going to be of value to uh, the customer uh, because an e-commerce website should meet the needs of that user. And so um, when I first began this journey, I did have sales reps say, listen, um, nice to meet you. However, I want all my sales reps to continue to order through me. And so it was imperative that not only was I supposed to invest in a platform and and deploy a a platform, excuse me, I need to make sure that I uh, brought my salespeople and customer service team to a point where they saw the website and the platform as a sales tool, not a replacement of their job function. It, um, you know, that objection or or concern uh, from them, uh, you know, I still want all orders to go through me. Um, that that doesn't surprise surprise me at all, and I guess the one thing I'm I'm kind of uh, I, f- I feel kind of sitting in the middle of this is that it's frankly for distributors it's often those relationships are held up as the reason why um, the channel ought to exist at all. I mean, in, in many cases um, uh, we. we I talk to distributors regularly who are concerned about the impact of marketplaces uh, on their business, um, uh, specifically Amazon business, but others, um, and um, and and they're concerned about the impact those marketplaces uh, the, the, the will have on on the business long term, and they see that the relationships that they have in the markets they serve as being the key piece of glue that will con- that will ensure their continued existence, and, and in, in some cases. I feel that they don't even maybe feel that they need to invest that much in e-commerce um, as a result, that they can still get by on the relationship. So, so I guess, th- talk to me about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. There's, this, there's some uh, validity about that because what I've seen is, you know, we have well-tenured salespeople. And you know what? I don't even... I don't even label them as sales reps. Um, I see them as consultative uh, product managers, and and that's my description of them. Because you know, quite often, you know, I I'm not seeing our customers um, going to Amazon Business and saying, "I would love for you to, I would love to buy this product, and I would love for you to come and demo it with our facilities management team uh, next week, so that we can try it out, feel it out, and then you know make a decision on it." 
Uh, I will tell you, especially in the Jansan part of our business, whether it's refinishing a university during the summertime or a a hospital that is interested in a floor cleaning machine, our salespeople know those products inside and out, right? And so the website will have the safety data sheets. They'll have a video. They'll have, you know, a lot of that rich information and, and, and specifications, But the value the sales rep delivers is that consultative expertise on the products, right? And and I don't ever see that going away, right? I see a hospital, you know, there was a hospital in in the Southern Tier or Hudson Valley in New York said, you know, I cannot see my, my hospital making a move to Amazon business yet because I know the driver at the distributor for 15, 20 years. He knows exactly the drop-offs that every single ship to. We know the delivery days and our sales rep is always coming with new products and new ideas on the third Tuesday of the month to demo product, right? And she goes, that's very hard for me to to shift that relationship to the marketplaces that are very available like a Amazon business. So I do see our salespeople transition, transitioning to really consultative product managers that know the products our customers want inside and I think, look, that's going to be music to the ears of a lot of uh, marketers, uh, uh, especially, obviously, distributor marketers that, that, that want to really believe that there's value um, that can be delivered there that can't be easily replicated online. And, and uh, and, and so I'm. I'm going to say, Mike. I'm going to be willing to believe you there. I'm going to. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm all in, and I'm believing Mike and what he just said. But, and my but is this: What happens when that buyer changes? Because you just said that buyer values that because it's the same person driving that truck for the last fifteen years, twenty years, which means that buyer is retiring soon. Mm-hmm. It is um, that buyer. That listen, the new B two B buyer is here, right? The millennial demographic in the work labor force has, is now surpassed baby boomers. So you're you're dead on. We have purchasing managers, procurement managers, facility managers that are retiring. We're having those well-tenured sales reps, I believe two or three of them, that are retiring this year from Hill & Marks. We're seeing that firsthand. And so it is uh, imperative that in the B2B buyer, and again, everyone talks about the millennial, right? Um, the millennial, yes, they are digital natives. They have no problem using a mobile app on their personal device. But we also can see that the folks that are uh, baby boomers are, are comfortable ordering online as well. Uh, not as not as many as the the millennials, and I don't have the uh, active figure, but you know they're they're most of them are shopping on Amazon or Walmart.com. So, the B two B buyer, whether it's a millennial or you know even some of the the folks that have been with their uh, businesses for quite some time, they are expecting a shopping experience. They're expecting the sales rep to be able to deliver knowledge and expertise, but they're expecting distributors to provide them an easy to use website for finding information such as a safety data sheet, right? Or the ability to say, hey, uh, I want to compare three products side by side. It's imperative that distributors and and manufacturers uh, provide that easy to use experience for the new B2B buyer that's here. Man, I kind of, I, I, 
I, I, I think we should just stop we should, it right there. Yeah, we yeah, should just have another, all the good stuff. We should have another podcast really right now about uh, the the how millennials and baby boomers are the same but different, or or, or what have you. Because I mean, that's basically what we're kind of what you just said back to me in some ways that they carry some digital expectations and experiences with them but but frankly if you're a b2b buyer a, a baby boomer that's a b2b buyer you've been in a technology rich environment for 10 or 20 years now um so it's not new to you either and maybe in reverse now i'll put words in your mouth but kind of maybe what you're telling me too is that the millennials kind of like relationships too Yes. Yeah, uh, they do. And you know what? It may not be face to face, gentlemen, but I'll tell you right now, they they feel comfortable sending a text to a sales rep and just verifying things, uh, you know, delivery dates or, um, you know, confirming a, a demo, you know, so communication is communication, right? Whether it's going to be the face to face for a, a floor demonstration or a text to verify, um, you know, any other uh, important information. Um, you know, we're seeing that live chat on our website is a way that some of our customers love to place orders, hmm. you know, um, email and fax back in the day. But, um, you know, live chat and text is two uh, are, are two ways that we've seen our customer base um, use to, to order from us. And then also kind of let, going back to what I mentioned about the, the consultative uh, selling approach, we are now seeing, you know, with our social platforms, LinkedIn in particular, where our floor specialists are, you know, documenting a, a floor machine, a demo. They're either doing a how-to, the top three features on a tenant floor machine, or they're taking a, a quick video of the uh, on-site demo. We're generating leads through our LinkedIn page where a buyer, a B2B buyer, is following a hashtag for floor equipment, comes across a LinkedIn post, seeing us uh, doing an on-site demo and then sends a LinkedIn message to us saying, hey, we're interested in that piece of that tenant T350 that you're demoing on your LinkedIn page. Can you provide us a quote? So it's, it's pretty fascinating the different ways that the B2B buyer is uh, you know, basically communicating with uh, distributors now. You're listening to The Cooler Ring, conversations on manufacturing marketing. Don't forget to subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. That's fantastic. I mean, really, you're you're kind of living the dream of using all of the social platforms to drive via content to the website to engage for, you know, a potential sale. Mike, are you, many people would say, you know, that frankly, that's not going to happen. It's, nobody on LinkedIn cares about a floor cleaning machine, you know, so. <laughs> I guess it's not you know, true you, at all. You, yeah, exactly. You've heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But do you find, Mike, that uh, the consultative sales process tends more to the bigger ticket items like a floor machine and that the bulk of the purchases from the e-com platform are more incidental or, or is, it, uh, is it everything that's selling kind of at the same rate via the site? 
No, that was, that's a good assessment. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the you know, the, the floor equipment for the, the universities and the hospital systems, um, you know, especially with the larger accounts, you need to make sure you're, you have a sales rep that is well-versed and ha- has a product knowledge for a wide breadth of product, right? Because some of these larger accounts could have, the customer could be purchasing three to 500 items, and it could be across different lines, uh, silos, food service and, and cleaning and janitorial. But I will say that, you know, when it comes to even smaller accounts, you know, we, we have we work with many um, restaurants and hospitality groups and, you know, ice cream. Ice cream in upstate New York is a seasonal business. But, man, I will say I, I believe New York State has some of the probably the highest amount of ice cream shops of any uh, any state. And these are users that may, they're not big ticket items, but they are the, the, the turnover, the frequency of ordering is so high that, yes, the e-commerce website is a great tool for them, but they're also engaging with the sales rep um, uh, as well, just because it's a seasonal business and it comes fast and, uh, and uh, those orders are, are happening. They could be happening daily uh, because of just the, the busyness of the business. You know, the love of ice cream uh, as well as your business or at least. A yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, the 96 degree weather, I'm, I, I'm not sure it's helping the business right now for the last week, but uh, yeah, everyone loves ice cream. <laughs> a couple of, pieces I really wanted to get to here. Um, I know that you've recently been working with uh, Cornell University, I believe, on punch-out integration. Um, Can you talk to me a bit about that and what you're up to there? Yeah, so, um, you know, that is, that's one university that has many different suppliers. So, um, you know, for the audience, uh, punch out integration is uh, the, the ability for a university that has many employees buying from many suppliers, the ability for those users to simply log in with their Cornell credentials access all of the suppliers uh, via a kind of a one-page intranet where each supplier has a logo. And the feedback we've received from the university has been fantastic. Um, They've loved the integration. Um, What we've been able to do is basically create a sub-catalog of our website so that when someone selects the Hillemarks logo, they're still getting all the high-res, rich uh, product uh, images and detail information and the ability to compare product. And so it's really, you know, for the Cornell, what's in it for Cornell is that they're controlling the uh, users to, instead of having them go to all the supplier websites, they can keep them uh, focused on just the internet and for Hill and Marks. Um, when we're investing in the, the data and making sure our products are, are enriched, uh, that same enrichment is being displayed in our punch out catalog for Cornell. At the conference where we uh, first met, um, I, it, it, it just struck me that the conversations about punch out were, uh, you know, they fell into two uh, two camps: uh, people that um, uh, understood what it was and its import, uh, and folks who were, frankly, learning about it for the first time. Um, so I, I just I, I like getting a, just a you know the the, the Coles notes. Uh, um, uh, description of what you're doing there just to, you know, because I know there will be people listening that um, haven't encountered uh, Punch-Out in their day-to-day. I, I think, too, it also speaks to the the 
requirement for a product information management system and having that really enriched content and ensuring that uh, you know that, that you're doing that well. I mean, talk to us uh, for a moment about the the benefits you've seen from really pushing the quality and, and uh, quantity of content in terms of your products. So one, of, yeah, that's a great question because you know I will say this: when we were going through the vendor selection process, the the three things that were important to us was the responsive design website, the data enrichment services, and then lastly the punch out integration. And so when I went out to the marketplace uh, in in early 2015, um, you know the the price point for B2B e-commerce uh, the w- was coming down because more and more manufacturers and distributors were investing in it. But I also realized many distributors lack a large IT presence within their um, four walls, right? And so when when we were looking at our vendors, and, and the main reason we decided to go with our our current vendor, which is Unilog based out of uh, Philadelphia, is that their back-end platform uh, had a built-in CMS, a built-in PIM uh, that allowed for us to, with any product taxonomy on our website, that we had the ability to control the product data in the PIM. And when it came to the CMS, we were able to create our own custom landing pages. We were able to deploy a blog. And I will tell you this, you know, we had uh, one of our, uh, uh, one of the folks that works here um, ended up finishing the HubSpot uh, certificate program. And she shot over to Boston and she came, one of the first things she came back saying, Mike, you know, it's really great to see that Unilog has kind of integrated all of these different, uh, um, you know, important features or functionalities because, you know, there's some vendors in the marketplace that, you know, you have an e-commerce platform, but you need to reach out to a third party PIM provider. You have to reach out to somebody for a blog, whether it's a WordPress blog to be integrated in. And so, you know, some of the feedback I received was that the Unilog platform for a distributor like us that lacks, you know, many technical resources or a large e-commerce team, including developers or, you know, product managers, um, it was imperative that we had a platform that would give us the easy to use tools such as the PIM and CMS. So that was one thing that uh, led us down the path of selecting Unilog. Um, We knew that, you know, we we weren't going to be able to work with all all these different third-party providers. Uh, We needed to find a solution that had kind of a a three-in-one or really kind of an omni-channel solution. It is a struggle, I think, that a lot of um, uh, distributors have, frankly, mar- manufacturing marketers have as well. Depending on the size of their organizations, is the uh, the uh, they often lack a, a robust uh, IT support, um, um, and, and often, frankly, the marketing teams aren't as technically savvy as maybe one might hope they would be. Um, uh, I think there are a lot of contributing factors to that around difficulty in the recruitment mm-hmm. and retention of, of digital of that nature. But um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm curious about this experience that you've had um, in this digital transformation, if you will, um, on the, on the manufacturing partner side, I guess, is there a, I guess I'm assuming manufacturers are, well, I noticed, I know that manufacturers are all at different places in their, in their uh, adoption of an investment in um, uh, digital. 
Uh, and so that will change the extent to which they can partner with and support a distributor as they're heading down that path. So um, I guess what have been the differences and, um, and, and, and I guess what would, if, if you could uh, stand on a soapbox for a few minutes and tell manufacturing marketers what you might like from them, I'd be curious to hear. Absolutely. So, uh, gentlemen, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Modern Distribution Management, MDM.com. Um, last year, I believe it was, there was a quote that came out from a manufacturer. I believe it was either, it was one of the larger manufacturers in the marketplace. Uh, and they said that, you know, at corporate, uh, we are now viewing our distributor relationships quite differently. It is imperative that distributors make the investment or pivot in building a e-commerce platform for the customer base because if a manufacturer is not seeing that transformation, they're, they're, they're going to start investing in the relationships where distributors have made that investment. They're now meeting the, uh, the needs of the, the B2B buyer. So I am firsthand seeing that, you know, and we work with some of the larger uh, manufacturers in the world. And so the Rubbermaids, the 3M, uh, Tenants, Diversi, Georgia Pacific, Kimberly Clarks. And in my my own experience, I, I am seeing that, you know, these manufacturers are interested in finding out what is Hill and Mark's strategy with this new website to convert users or customers into uh, buyers. And so, it's going to be a very interesting, I'd like to say, I'd, in the next couple of years, it's going to be interesting to see how manufacturers uh, work with their distributor partners when it comes to marketing, specifically digital marketing. Because there's some, there are some manufacturers that are not familiar with Google Analytics or conversion rates and bounce rates. But those larger brands that I just mentioned to you, those folks now are building out digital teams. And they're interested in saying, hey, we would like to have a banner ad. We would like to have a landing page talking about uh, uh, building service contractors. And here's our breadth of product. And we want to measure the conversion rates of these pages. So um, the larger manufacturers are definitely now pivoting when it comes to marketing. They're trying to work with distributors on the digital side. And some of the manufacturers that are in the beginning stages of that journey, they need to be aware that, you know, what can they do when it comes to working with their par uh, distributor partners to capitalize on online traffic and uh, conversion rates of those distributor websites? So, uh, you know, in, in, in closing, I definitely see in the next couple of years, manufacturers are now more, getting more interested in what's happening on that website. How are users, uh, uh, you know, how much time are they spending on our products and what's the conversion rate? For sure, that's happening. Look, I had uh, heard recently from an executive at Schneider Electric uh, that said uh, to a crowd of folks, uh, um, and they were giving a talk, and just said, you know, we're, we're doubling down and working with those distribution partners who are investing in digital. Absolutely. And in that one little sentence, what, what she told me was, um, yeah, we, we have, you know, co-op marketing dollars we have uh partnership support dollars and all of that that we invest in all of our distribution partners um but they're not all right. created equal and we're doubling down and understanding those ones that want to um, 
move in, in, in this way and, and do it quickly. And, and they, and, and, and I, it just struck me and you just hit the nail on the head around the, the, the differences. I mean, so you have on one hand, you have Schneider electric, um, clearly very sophisticated and savvy, uh, organization with a, with a sophisticated marketing team, um, that understands what's up. And then, at, and a distributor may well have to deal with them, while at the same time dealing with another manufacturer who is just um, um, just starting to dip their toe into it. So it's a, yeah. it, it, it's a, it's a really it's kind of like the wild west or something. But it's not like distributors are really going to have an opportunity to just kind of stick with the way that they're going either. I mean, you know, the the distributors that are saying, well, we're just going to stick with the, you know, we have these great relationships with our customers. We don't want to run the risk of alienating them by creating new technology that they don't understand. Um, you know, they're, they're really operating with their, their hands behind their back and their eyes covered, you know, they're really not looking towards the future at all. It's so funny you were having this conversation because that has been one of the things that uh, we had recently a marketing meeting and, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, for 2019, you know, how do we leverage the digital side of our business? And and one of the, the issues I see is you're absolutely right. There are some manufacturers and then there's some manufacturers that actually uh, work with brokerage houses, right? And so a brokerage uh, uh, sales manager may represent multiple lines. When you start talking about digital and, you know, the, the ability to drive sales through a constant contact email blast or, um, you know, for the month of December, we're going to create a landing page and use social to create video content around it, um, you, you get a blank stare back. And so it's, it's interesting to see how does a larger manufacturer that un- understands digital, they've invested in digital teams, they have people on their team now that are driving the, uh, you know, almost the P&L of that side of the business. How does that side of the business work with the existing regional sales managers that have been working with Hill and Marks for 30 years that, that knows nothing about digital, understands doing, you know, trade shows and sales meetings and ride-along programs. I see that right now for manufacturers and distributors is how is that going to, you know, how are we going to translate the new age digital marketing into the old school or the, the way we've been doing business with manufacturers for, you know, decades? And then in the background of it all, you have in some categories more than others, of course, the threat that the manufacturer could simply just open up the channel directly and cut you out. True, which, you know, many of, I think, the larger folks are, uh, you know, whether it's through Amazon business, uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, we, we see that in the marketplace and we, we have to understand, you know, many of them will say, well, you know, we need to, you know, the distributor network has been very important to us uh, and uh, many of our manufacturers, I, I'll be honest with you, uh, we have great relationships with our manufacturers, but I think there are some that are interested in the marketplace um, and, and what that could, um, you know, result for them. You know, if, even for us, gentlemen, um, you know, looking at the the Amazon marketplace, you know, in doing research and talking to other distributors, um, you know, I have uh, relationships and and I've asked the question: How has this been a positive thing for your business? And 
I've had one uh, director of uh, or vice president of marketing and, and sales uh, who was also kind of the spearheading the e-commerce e-commerce project for 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 their business said, Mike, um, for us, it's 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 a little like day trading. We need, you know, because of the price changes and the fluctuations, you know, one minute we're selling a product for three months and it's doing great. And then boom, one morning we wake up and Amazon and it's an Amazon basic product and they're selling it directly and they're always beating us in price. So um, yeah, it, it is a, it's a very disruptive time in the marketplace because there's many ways, uh, you know, are the end user can, can find the product. You know, we, we had one example of, uh, you know, somebody that requested a, a, a floor machine demo while the demo's happening, you know, the sales rep saying that, you know, one of the people that were, was there for the demo is on Google, you know, searching by the, the, the name of the machine and seeing if, if there's better pricing out there. And, and I will say, you know, manufacturers in, in most cases have uh, made sure to protect their distributor partners. So if it's a new customer that, uh, has uh, worked with Hill and Marks directly and we provided the demo and, and they're trying to uh, reach out and, and purchase that item um, uh, elsewhere. You know, we're kind of getting credit for the one that has started that relationship, but it is, it is, it's difficult. It's very disruptive and they're, uh, the marketplace is, uh, it, it's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it strikes me when you're having the conversation about trying to get credit for a sale that happened elsewhere I know, I know. Because it's, it's, like, like you're already behind the eight ball, then. Like, and that's the other thing about the distri- a distributor model, right? Many of uh, you know, if you talk to many distributors, many of them are part of uh, networks of distributors, right? You know, one of fifty-five distributors that are, you know, it's a, a we're part of network services. So we have distributor partners all across the country. You know, back in the day, that that was a great, you know, uh, way f- to make sure that we're. Uh, you know, we have this this massive buying group, but what happens when an end user is going to Amazon instead of the the distributor part, the local distributor? Um, you know, we have great partners, uh, uh, distributor partners in uh, in our network services relationship, and you know, when an end user is going to Amazon and then bouncing back to the distributor, and then it's uh, we need to be prepared, and that's where I think it um, segues to the point that. Our uh, salespeople, our customer service team, our that consultative sales approach, the, that product knowledge, we need to be able to lead with that expertise because it can't be about price and product because you'll find you know products maybe cheaper elsewhere, but when it comes to the know-how and the product knowledge that our people have, both from the inside um, customer service team and the sales rep. Um, that's what our customers really, at the end of the day, whether you're a millennial or somebody that's been doing it for 30 years, you really want that that, that product knowledge as well. Mike, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Really enjoyed your, your insight. Um, I'm sad we have to begin to bring it to a close here, but I, I guess just as we um, as we wrap up, you know, I get a sense that uh, you know you've come a long way over the last three years or so and evolving the Hill and Marks platform. Um, but uh, I can tell in your voice that it's not done. Uh, so I guess uh, as we, um, as we uh, sign off here, I'd be curious to, to hear a bit about, um, you know, what, what, what are you most excited about in the next uh, year or so? What are you seeing around the corner 
Um, uh, there's lots of disruption, and we already we, we 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 know that, but we also know that with that comes uh, opportunity. Absolutely, and and again, gentlemen, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I'm glad you reached out to uh, you know have me share our story. I'm sure that there's many manufacturing distributors on this call or listening to this podcast that could be at the same point uh, we are or about to take the journey, but. Uh, as I mentioned before, at the beginning of the call, uh, food service uh, disposables is a, a large uh, silo of our business. And what I'm most excited about is that I truly believe for the hospitality, the food service, the ice cream stands, the restaurants, um, that we will become a mobile first distributor for those users. And what I be, mean by that is a sous chef that is going into their meat cooler in the basement is no longer going to take a piece of paper and a pencil to take their par levels. We envision this chef using a Hill and Marks mobile app to basically scan the barcodes within the meat cooler. And uh, by the time they leave two or three steps out of that meat cooler, that they have an order prepped and ready to go via the Hill and Marks mobile app. And so that is pretty. That is one project that I'm extremely excited uh, to have go live at the beginning of uh, 2019. It's a fantastic next step. Yeah, and it 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 uh, it's, it's it's an interesting uh, next part of the story. Since so, uh, your as you started uh, your work with uh, with them, you you were mentioning that it was really the the mobile Geddon, as you said, uh, with Google that uh, was kind of the initial thing that you were brought in to kind of address. So. Um, uh, more mobile is, I suppose, in some ways, isn't surprising, but it's nice to see where it's going. Well, and I like to see too that you started with the web platform, which is a more universal platform, and then moved to an app that can be supported and integrated with that, rather than what a lot of people try and do, especially because they think apps are more sexy than the website. Is they they don't look at getting their web house in order before they begin to go down the road of developing an app that won't have any support. Right. And, and by the way, that, that, that brings up another issue too, is customer adoption, right? If you're uh, the customer adoption that we needed to get the buy-in of our existing customer base with the web platform, because they're sitting at a desk at a university hospital, uh, uh, at a uh, elementary school. So you got to realize that the, the web portion of it, the desktop for customer adoption, it was vital. It was imperative that we were to get the, the customer adoption on, on the website or on the desktop before the mobile app. And, you know, happy, happy to say we're at around 25% of our total revenue is going through our e-commerce platform. And, you know, I'm looking at 30% on the horizon and, and, and that's a, a big goal for us. So, um, yes, it is, uh, the web is important. The desktop version of our website is important, but, uh, the, the mobile apps are going to be something I think for years to come is going to be just uh, the way of just conducting business. Everyone's going to have the phone or in a mobile app and, uh, you know, everyone's doing it with banking nowadays. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Mike, I look forward to uh, watching the progress. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>